This is a production from the Takedown Sports. What's up, y'all? T Brown 31 here from the Takedown Sports, along with Jay About the Great. And this is another episode of The Last Word. We got a bunch of topics to hit today, so what's coming up? We're recapping games three through five for each series of the NBA playoffs. We'll be giving predictions for Thursday and Friday's game six matchups. And once again, we'll be tackling issues with the fans. Yeah, that's unfortunate that we have to do that again. But like you said, we'll be starting off with a series recap for the Western conference so first up we got utah and memphis so utah ended up winning the series for one they began tied after game two one to one and then utah won each game following that in game three by 10 points winning game four by seven and then winning by 16 in game five to cap the series and be the only western conference team as of right now to move on to the second round yeah, and it's pretty much just the story of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's out. They lose it. The the you know Grizzlies are on fire. They just come off of sending Steph Curry home. They come out. They steal one. Donovan comes back, and you've got Donovan having like twenty points per game. Uh, Mike Conley was as well. Rudy Gobert was holding things down on the defensive end, and with that trio working together, uh, just completely in sync against that kind of young, not playoff ready Grizzlies team. It, it was it was easy. Gentleman sweep after the, the Grizzlies stole one in game one. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to become really common for us to see these teams, you know, like Memphis, um, these lower seeded teams to steal a game. And obviously, when Utah doesn't have Donovan Mitchell, it's pretty easy to do so. Um, once they got Donovan Mitchell back, that was pretty much it. Uh, we knew one way or the other that they were, they were not going to be able to take Utah um, in seven games. It just wasn't going to happen. But that's nothing for Memphis to be mad about. They did, you know, get the Warriors up out of there. So, uh, you know, beating Steph Curry, uh, future Hall of Famer, uh, getting him out of the playoffs, and then at least stealing a game against the number one seed, that's something to uh, take to the bank, and next year they'll be a lot better for sure. So, moving on to L.A. and Dallas, that would be the Clippers and the Mavericks. And this series is kind of a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, right now, Dallas is leading the series 3-2. They started off 2-0, and uh, winning two games in L.A., and then L.A. won two games in Dallas. Then they returned to L.A., and Dallas wins game five. So right now, they're up 3-2. And with the way that Luke is playing, they might just win game six, send the Clippers packing. Yeah, I mean, I think the Clippers going out in six is, is probably the biggest uh, possibility, or maybe not the biggest one. I was going to say of the ones that are that are still left at three two, but it's it's very likely. It's been a very weird series, though. You know, usually the home team will at least take one of the, one game at home unless they're getting swept. But like Dallas is is three zero in L A and O two in Dallas, and it's it's just kind of a weird weird way. Now, uh, the second game that was played in Dallas, Luca was was really really dealing with the next strain. He still had the the kind of like bandage casting on uh, in game five, but he 
he, he scored 42 points, had like 14 assists. I, I, so I think he's all right. But yeah, the Clippers have got to do something different uh, than what they've been doing. Maybe what they did in, in game uh, three and four should, should be what they, they focus on. Otherwise, uh, Kawhi and PG-13 are, are going home early. Yeah, like you said, it was it's a weird series because usually you don't see the lower seed win the first two games in the higher seed's house. And then the higher seed come back and win two games in the lower seed's house. And then it happens again in game five. Um, so if the trend somehow continues like that, LA will win game six in Dallas, and then Dallas wins game seven. Uh, if you're a Clipper <laughs> fan, that's probably the worst scenario to have happen. But is very likely the way they're playing now. So they definitely have to stop Luka. He can't be scoring 40 a game. So moving on to Denver and Portland. So Denver right now is up 3-2 on the Trailblazers. So after this series started 1-1, Denver won game three, Portland won game four, and then we had a double overtime thriller. Um, Unfortunately for the Trailblazers, Game time did pretty much everything, and they couldn't come up with the win. So in game five, Denver took it home, and they're up 3-2, looking to close out tonight. Yeah, I mean, that game, game five, was, was, a, was a heartbreaker for Damian. You know, he went out and broke third for threes in the playoffs, and then, uh, I mean, scored 55, had like three different records broken in that one game, and yet came up in a double OT loss. He also is the one who forced OT both times. And then I guess, uh, you know, once you got the double OT, the, the, the Nuggets were like, nah, we're done. And they, they pulled ahead and won by seven. And I mean, it was, a, it was a thriller. And it sucks to see a guy do all that and still come up short. But uh, Blazers want to come out of this series alive. They've got to, you know, let the people around Dame also fire up. Let Dame have his, have his time too, but he needs help. You can't do everything yourself. Yeah, I had a feeling that this series would, it would not be a wash or anything. Um, with Damian Lillard on your team, you're not going to get knocked out of the playoffs in four games, um, <laughs> generally. But like you said, he cannot do everything. Like they have to do something to ev- the guys behind Dame, from the second guy on the roster, CJ, to Nurkic, everybody down. They got to help him out, man. Because if he's just scoring 40, 50 points every game and they still end up losing, like what does it matter, right? So. Uh, it's it's going to be judgment day for them tonight. And the game does start in a few minutes for us. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. And then to the last series, which this one is another weird series on the West. Phoenix right now is up 3-2 on LA. So after this one was tied after game two, uh, LA went up in game three. And then Phoenix won game four after AD got injured. And then an absolutely disgusting display from the Lakers in game five, just getting destroyed. They lose by 30 to the Suns. And the Suns, now 3-2, are looking to end things tonight as well. This is another series that you would consider weird from uh, from an outside perspective when you look at it as, well, the the, the seventh seed has the two seed going to, to game six tonight. But... You got to remember, this Lakers, these are the defending champs who pretty much made their roster better. And this has just been crazy. I mean, they've had injury woes with, with AD, but like, you know, uh, just, just losing one guy can't cause you to suddenly lose by 30. So 
it's it's a scary series for the Lakers. I mean, it's it's crazy to even think that LeBron could go home in the first one, even in like six games if Phoenix was to close it tonight, which I'm not predicting what. But it is it is a a crazy series. Uh, the Suns have proven that that they are a playoff team. They didn't get the two seed for nothing, but uh, it's it's been tough. It's been gritty. These two teams have had their fair shares of uh, scuffles on court. And yeah, it's it's just been a wild season from everything about it. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. I thought, you know, once Chris Paul got injured, um, you know, LA won that game after he got injured. And then, you know, they're going into game three. He's like, eh. I'm like, all right, so the Lakers got this in five. And then AD gets injured. It's like, all right, so now Chris Paul is seemingly mostly recovered. Not totally, of course, but he's decently recovered now. Uh, AD is a game-time decision. Uh, it's just looking bad for L.A., but we'll talk more about that later. So now we're on to the eastern side of things, and we'll be having a little bit of a different conversation now because every single Eastern Conference series is done. So there's not going to be much speculation here as far as the first round goes. So in the first round, we start off with New York and Atlanta, and New York ended up dropping to Atlanta, four to one. After the series was tied at game two, Atlanta then went on to win three straight games, two in Atlanta, and then the final dagger in New York to kill the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, we both called this one as, as going at least six on. Uh, Trey Young and Clint Capella had had other other uh, ideas. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich also was was crazy in this series. Knicks, this is the most Knicks thing to happen. They finally make the playoffs again. They they steal, or not even steal, but they're the higher seed. They get game two, they tie the series, and then they just crumble. And uh, RJ Barrett said before the game yesterday, uh, we're going to win, that's that. And I it, that, that didn't happen. Or what Clint Capella said, where he said, we're sending you on vacation. And uh, that's it. The thing that confuses me the most about these Knicks fans is like they I, I expected it to be a more competitive series, like definitely going six or seven. But why do these Knicks fans act like they should have swept Atlanta? You had the same regular season record. You were four or five matchup, which is historically, you know, the closest matchup because there are two teams that either have the same record or are very close record wise. And Trey Young is the best player on the court. So, like, why did these Knicks fans assume that they would just be killing Atlanta? I mean, it should have been way more competitive, but I mean, come on. Regardless, though, it is a success for the Knicks. They haven't made the playoffs in almost a decade. Uh, you know, they got to have playoff basketball in New York. At the very least, they did one, win one game. Uh, they didn't get swept, and they won that one game in New York. So, you know, that's something to look forward to. Uh, a lot of discussion has been had about Julius Randle, you know, whether or not he's a number one guy. Uh, he's not a number one guy to win a championship. That's pretty obvious. But going forward, you know, will they have to make moves, you know, as far as getting him a number two or getting a number one and moving him down to be that number two. So we'll see. Yeah, I uh, I think Randle needs, like this this playoff series should be really helpful on him becoming more of a number one guy for a championship. Clearly, he's he was great in the regular season, 
he just didn't wasn't able to produce as well in the postseason and he just needs more experience as the guy in the postseason and uh this the hawks gave it to him i mean they pressured him hard and hopefully he comes out next year a little better because uh playoff knicks basketball is just it's everyone yeah i mean it's fun to watch it's good for the league all right so then moving over to the series that was truly a wash uh milwaukee swept miami in four games uh after game one you know i was thinking maybe this is going to be a close series not at all so after they went up two games after game two they then destroyed miami in game three and then beat miami in game four 120 to 103 completing the sweep uh i guess the bucks pretty much just decided that they were not going to look um as bad as they did in game one they obviously won the game but it, they kept it very close a lot closer than they wanted so they went on to just destroy them for the rest of the series yeah uh game four i mean I, miami looked like they could have stolen a game and maybe try to extend the series a little bit they led all the way into the third quarter yeah until the third quarter and and which they they fell apart and the sweep was was complete a uh, little a little fun tidbit about that series is that Brooke Lopez was actually kind of like the MVP at the Bucks for for all the, for those four games because he didn't really exist in the regular season this year and then he came out and I mean he was able to serve a good and he shut down Bam Adebayo almost completely and so it was it's not what I expected coming out of the Bucks for that series but uh, I mean as a Bucks fan I'll take it yeah I don't blame you there I mean it for any fan of any NBA team, like you want to get out of there as fast as possible. So Milwaukee has a lot of rest. Um, you know, they finished on the weekend. So uh, obviously they have to face Brooklyn, but it won't be for a few more days because we've got some other series to wrap up. So having swept Miami, they've got a lot of time to rest, a lot of time to regroup and prepare to face the goon squad. So I think my my excuse me, Milwaukee will be ready for it for sure. So speaking of the aforementioned goon squad, we have the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. And Brooklyn completed the gentleman's sweep on Boston, winning the series 4-1. So Brooklyn went up two games to nothing after game two. But then Boston stole a game with Jason Tatum going absolutely insane. And it didn't really matter much after that Brooklyn beating up Boston in game four and then handling them pretty well in game five to complete the gentleman's sweep. The top few goons on the goon squad went uh, absolutely crazy and in game five uh, I mean they they scored like a hundred and something points I'm pretty sure and I know it was like 80 percent of the points in the first half were all of them just three guys I mean that kind of offensive uh, like production hard to stop Celtics aren't exactly the first team you think of as like oh look a defensive team and so it just it wasn't wasn't good not to mention after Jason Tatum's crazy game uh, they lost Kemp, who wasn't playing great anyway but still not having him out there like he was good for for things that didn't show up on the stat sheet really so like losing his presence pretty much washed away any hopes of, of trying to steal more than one game they aren't going to win the series but you know uh, depending on certain circumstances, they have been able to run another, but all hope was lost. Yeah, I mean, once again, like kind of 
mentioned this with the Knicks. Now, obviously, Boston hasn't missed the playoffs, you know, most of the past decade. But they're the seventh seed. Uh, they really didn't have much of a chance against Brooklyn to beat them in this series. Uh, they finished with a 500 record this season. So there wasn't really a whole lot of expectations there. They did steal a game. We do know that Jason Tatum is absolutely for real. So with Brad Stevens moving up to the executive position, um, taking over for Danny Ainge now, they're going to be looking for a new head coach. I would assume Jason Tatum would probably be the first guy to talk to when that happens. So moving forward, I think Boston will get better next year. And if, I think they just need one more kind of piece and they need to be a more cohesive unit throughout the season. That was really one of their main problems. So, uh, you know, props to Brooklyn. They should have won the series easily. So they have that. Yeah, that's for sure. And then moving on to our last Eastern Conference series, this one was a little bit of a surprise, but there's good reason. Philly defeated Washington 4-1 to one in the series. So after Philly went up two games to nothing in game two, they then won game three, but then they lost game four to Washington after Embiid went down, and Embiid was still out for game five, but they ended up pulling out the win. So they get the gentleman sweep there as well. Yeah, it's almost the same thing as the the Brooklyn Boston series. You have this, you know, big juggernaut of a team going against the the little guy. The guys rally up and have their big moment where they take a game in the series, and they they go back to to falling apart. Nobody expected uh, the the Wizards to to beat Philly, unless maybe Wizards fans. Same thing with like the Boston Brooklyn situation. But props to Washington for being able to snag a game against Philly, even if it meant that out a game is a game. Uh, of course, the Sixers are great for more than just Embiid, so not really an excuse to to drop a game. So I'll give props to Washington. You got to give props to Philly for completing the gentleman sweep and getting out of there quick, not having to worry about any kind of superhero moments from Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook beyond stealing that one game. Yeah, because they could have messed around without Embiid and lost Game Five too, and they would have had to worry about winning Game Six, which they probably would have. But like I said, you want to get out of there as fast as possible. You don't want to mess around. So props to Philly for staying put, winning game five, and they will be defending home court until they lose. So, you know, I think Philly, this sounds weird to say, but I think Philly's underrated. Like, I don't feel like people are talking about Philly as much as they should be. I mean, they are the number one seed, but I don't think they're getting as much credit as they possibly could be. Because remember, I mean, they, they got the number one seed with MB missing a decent bit of time. So, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win a title, but people should give Philly a lot more respect. Yeah, I agree. I think the part of the East in general is just kind of overshadowed because you have Milwaukee and Philly, both really good teams, very complete teams. But then you have the three-headed giant of, of the Nets, of course, who also have people like Joe Harris behind them. They get a lot of the spotlight, and I think... Most people, aside from like Philly or Milwaukee fans, expect Brooklyn to come out of the to come out of the East, and so the other two teams get overshadowed a lot. And I think Philly is even more overshadowed than Milwaukee is. Yeah, I mean that's true because at least you know Giannis has won two MVPs. People are going to give him that respect now. They have, you know, choked in the playoffs the past few years, but it's not like 
Joel Embiid's won an MVP yet. He could have easily this year, you know, had he not been injured. Um, but it is what it is. We'll just see what happens in the next round. And that's where they got to prove it at the end of the day. So now we're on to the remaining matchups. And all of these are, of course, in the West. So we have Phoenix and Lakers game six, Denver and Portland game six, and then the Clippers and the Mavs game six. So first we'll start off with Phoenix and the Lakers. Um, we already mentioned this earlier. AD uh, got injured, of course, in game four, and he's looking like a game time decision right now. Uh, the game starts at 1030 Eastern time. So we're still really not sure whether or not AD is going to play. So if AD does play, how do you think that'll affect things? I think if AD comes back and he's he's in pristine condition, that the Lakers should have a much better chance to to get this game back and get the series back in, in track. Um, now, if he comes back and he's he's not quite his, it may not make much of a difference. But it, it, having him on the court in general is going to help you not lose by thirty. So even if they would end up losing, happening in general. I don't think it'd be on AD if he did come back and didn't do his best because he came back injured and then he's going to come back. He's going to try to do space the floor, keep guys from from being able to, to torch them as much and hopefully keep it from from being a 30 point blowout. Yeah, I mean, the, again, there's no excuse for the Lakers to have gotten blown up by 30 just because AD was out. I mean, I know how important AD is to this team, but there's still no excuse there. Um, I don't think the Lakers will lose by 30, regardless of whether AD plays or not. Um, <laughs> if AD does play, I don't think he'll be pristine condition, as you put it. Um, the groin injury is not pretty easy to come back from. Uh, obviously, he, LeBron had the groin injury a few years ago when he first got to LA, and that kept him out for a while. We don't know the exact extent of the injury, and since it is a game-time decision, it can't be like, you know, Completely debilitating, but still, I wouldn't push it if I was AD because you might aggravate something further and that really might screw you up in the long term. But if you can come back at least like three-fourths of what AD is, I think that'll help. And LeBron has to be more aggressive. Like, I know LeBron is the <laughs> all-time passer, but... I need LeBron to score because if people on the Lakers are just not shooting well, I need LeBron to say, forget it. I'm just going to take it to the basket. I'm going to dominate these people because they can't stop me. It's as simple as that. Um, whether AD plays or not, like LeBron, he's the best player in the world at any given moment. So he has to go 100% and he can't be passive at all. So if AD's there, LeBron goes full throttle. If Dennis Shooter can actually make a shot, <laughs> the Lakers have a chance to win, and it's just a LeBron factor, man. You know, I can't, I just can't see LeBron going out like this. I don't know. It's it's completely possible, but uh, with that Laker crowd there in LA, man, I I just I can't imagine it. So I, I feel like the Lakers going to win tonight. Yeah, I um I gotta agree with you. I, it sounds like you lay this complicated list, but don't don't be fooled by what Tess saying. They're all easy things for this Lakers team to close full throttle it's just a matter of mentality Dennis hitting a shot is his usual uh way of playing now uh, he, he played awful the other night but normally that's what Dennis should get so although 
what Terrence laid out for the Lakers to win may sound like it's a, like a lot of steps should be easy for them on a, on a, on a, even an off night. They're just not a bad night. You got bad off and then a good night. Uh, but yeah, the Lakers, I think, will win this one. I just can't fathom in my mind LeBron losing first round. And not only that, but losing first round and anything less than seven. So it's just, I can't see it happening. And I think the Lakers are going to come out, get hyped up by the crowd, and put a whooping on Phoenix. Yeah, and back to Schroeder for a second. Now, obviously, Schroeder isn't like the most important guy on the team and shooter not, not making a shot, you know, it has an effect on the team, obviously, but it's not going to kill them. Like I, I, I expect him to at least score 10 points, but you know, the team doesn't live and die with him. He absolutely needs to score. Like there's no excuse for being on the floor 20 minutes and not scoring. If you are a guard, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's inexcusable for any player to be on the court that long. Like, the only stat line I've ever seen like that is from Dennis Rodman. And that's Dennis Rodman, all right? So that's not even a comparison <laughs> there. Not the same position, not the same caliber of player, not the same type of guy, not the same type of game. So Dennis Schroeder needs to come out. He needs to shoot well. Uh, simple as that. And if they do that, they can force a game seven. And if LeBron does lose, oh, I don't just want to say LeBron, but if the Lakers do lose in game seven, I don't want this to be some kind of indictment on LeBron here, but he definitely is going to get a lot of criticism going forward. Yeah. This tonight, I, I won't want to hear uh, Undisputed tomorrow morning. Skip will have field day. Oh, my man. It, they'll have a field day until the doggone <laughs> Clippers lose game six, and then they'll both be crying up there anyway. <laughs> Speaking of the Clippers, we're moving on to them because Denver and Portland are actually playing right now, so we'll put them last. Uh, the Clippers are obviously down 3-2, and they're going to Dallas, which is the place that they won both of their games in this series, funnily enough. Um, I don't know what, what, what I can say about the Clippers, man. Like They've just been disappointing, to say the least. The, the Clippers, especially at the end of Game 5, I don't know what they were doing, man. Terrence Mann had an open layup. He passed it back to Batum, and I, I, he got the steal. The the pass to Batum opened up Batum for like, and Batum missed it. But it's a, a goof on both of them. So this opportunity to go up one hundred two to one hundred one. Think Kawhi gets the ball to try to tie it one hundred three one hundred three, and I don't know where he thought the basket was, <laughs> but he shot nowhere close to it. <laughs> and of course, they come up short and lose one hundred five to to one hundred. And it's just kind of like, wow, you cannot have that happen and that kind of pressure in a game. I mean, they got like three chances to win within 20 seconds and they, they fumbled all of them. And it's just, you can't do that, especially not with a team with Kawhi George, a Kawhi George, Kawhi <laughs> Leonard and Paul George on your team. Um, and uh, I just want to go ahead and mention this. I, I did, I will say I disputed this from, from Shannon, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Kawhi seems to escape the uh, superstar criticism that people like LeBron and Giannis get for for making. What do you? What do you think on that? Uh, in general, I'd say from social media, definitely not. Social media would be tearing him up. Um, <laughs> not as much as Paul George, of course. Uh, they dubbing him Pandemic P now, but uh, from the social media, he definitely gets like criticism. But 
but from the general media, probably not. I don't think they really go hard at Kawhi. I guess it's just because, I guess it's just the, maybe it's his personality. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, you have to blame Kawhi for what happened last year, um, along with Paul George. I mean, he, he just didn't show up um, when they were up 3-1 against the Denver Nuggets. And you blow that lead, and he, they just didn't show up in those last few games. I, I'm not really sure what it is about Kawhi that like, he doesn't get a whole lot of criticism. Um, I guess it maybe just is the, the fact that he just doesn't really talk that much. You know, he's not um, a superstar personality, I should say. But Giannis doesn't really talk much either. So I'm not really sure what it is, but I definitely do think that he doesn't get that criticism from the media, at least. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I mean, he's he's not a big talker, but neither are people like Harden and, and Giannis, and they seem to get, get fried up sometimes. So I guess it's just, just something about Kawhi. He kind of slips through. But speaking of the superstar criticism, I mean, he has to be a superstar uh, tomorrow night when they play, and he's got to force this this game seven or, or he's probably out of, of LA and his record's not going to be, be too good. I still have a hard time fathoming in my head, a guy going to a team, winning a championship immediately and then leaving. And now he's just crumbled. And so I don't really understand what's happened to my man, but hoping the best, but I uh, must win tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I think that LA decision, you know, that was a, that was a personal thing more than basketball. I mean, of course, Elliot had a good squad, and you do get Paul George, who's supposed to be a star, paired with you. Um, so there were some basketball moves in there, but I think it was more a personal thing than anything else. Um, that, that's what makes me laugh whenever I see people talking about, you know, he should have stayed in Toronto. I was like, yeah, probably should have, but he didn't really want to be there in the first place. You know, he wanted to go to L.A. So, I mean, he, he did what he had to do. Um, but now, if they do get knocked out, like, at least they have to at least get the second round. You know, if they lose in the second round, that's one thing. But you losing now, um, I can't see this team sticking together as it's currently, you know, form formed. So, uh, yeah, the, Kawhi's probably going to be going up to lose. Yeah, and I don't want to dwell on this topic for too long, but I do want to your thoughts on one last thing. Uh, Rajon Rondo left the defending champ Lakers to go to the where he then. You know, and to go to the Hawks, where where he then ended up, and ended up on the Clippers. The Hawks have advanced four one, and the Clippers are on the brink of elimination. How do you think Rondo's feeling at the moment? I think Rondo probably didn't think that the Hawks were actually going to make the playoffs, considering you know <laughs> the Hawks did fire their coach, um, and obviously Nate McMillan's came in, and he's done an amazing job. Obviously Trey Young is superstar, getting them to the playoffs. So I think. I don't think Rondo wanted to go there in the first place. So I guess that's just kind of like what I just said with Kawhi. I yeah. think, you know, he didn't want to be there in the first place. Like LA was the destination. So, um, but I think the Rondo signing was a little bit overblown in the first place. Like we know what Rondo's done. In the playoffs, but to get these guys past the second round, they have to, to stop Luca, like they they just have to score forty a game. Like I said, so moving on.
right now as we speak to go in the first quarter. So what do you think is going to happen for the rest of the uh, Now, I did think that Denver was, was going to come out and just close out the series, but... Uh, and it's it's obviously so, but, but I mean, you're you're playing with it, and he's not a guy who wants to go home. And he makes that very well known. He's hard. He gives it everything, and given too much room is is a way to get him to steal a game. If this series goes to seven, I mean, they did it twice last year. Not only that, they came back from three one. One twice. But uh, if I'm Denver tonight, and so I'm. I can't. Try to try to any they got the nuggets up out of there. So, you know, it, it can easily happen again. Uh and what we mentioned earlier is that Dane can't be the only person doing everything. But it is still early, but normal Powell is leading right now with eight points and then Lillard with seven. So you need that consistency from the rest of your team. Um, so if they can keep it up and they beat Denver, it is very possible that they could win game seven but we'll have to see what happens i agree so we're on to some predictions for the second round of the playoffs just the eastern conference though the west obviously isn't completely yet for the first round so we'll just be focusing on the two eastern matchups first up we have the two and the three seed the bucks and the nets going up against each other so looking at the three games they played against each other this year, the Bucs won the two games to end the season. Um, James Harden did not play in either of those games, though. And then the first game that they played against each other, the Nets won by two. James Harden did play along with KD, but Kyrie didn't play. So our current thing with the Nets for you know most of the season since they made the James Harden trade, Kyrie, KD, and James just haven't played much together. So it'll be interesting to see them play against the Nets, excuse me, for them to all play against the Bucks for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough series for sure. Uh, I don't see this uh, being a, a win for, for me. I think less than six or seven, most likely seven, if Milwaukee's going to take it. It's going to be a tough series. These are three offensive juggernauts. And, I mean, Milwaukee is a great defensive team. It's it's there. You've got solid defenders at every every starting position. A little Dante DiVincenzo not being able to to play anymore, but uh, it'd be tough. You know, we've got to gauge ourselves against like kind of duo. So we haven't got to gauge ourselves against the full trio, and having that trio is a lot different than having two of them because it opens up a whole new set of combinations for offensive production and uh, they make it hard on each other. I don't think either team will sweep each other. I think this will be a long and very tough tough series for both teams to get out of. Yeah, anybody saying that this is going to be a sweep is just insane, for one. Um, two, I think if it ends in five, I'd be incredibly surprised. So, like you said, it has to probably go to six or seven. I think if the Nets win, it'll probably be in six. If the Bucks win, then they'll probably have to take it in seven. So, no, nah, that's not to say that the Bucks 
are just an incredibly inferior team. I think they're probably one of the most complete teams in basketball by far. Um, you had the two-time MVP, Giannis, got Drew Holiday, Chris Milton has showed up for the playoffs this year in full force. So I thank you, Chris Milton, for showing up this time <laughs> and making things interesting. But the Brooklyn Nets are the Brooklyn Nets. And KD, James Harden, and Kyrie, I think it's just going to be too much in the end. Um, now, I think the Bucks will probably keep this close like every single game. It's not going to be a blowout for either side. But I do think in the end, the Nets are going to pull it out in six or seven. Um, and then they'll advance to the Eastern Conference Finals to probably go up against the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, being a, a, a Bucks fan, I, I hate to go on teams. So I'm going to take the Bucks in seven. But I completely understand and like, know the possibility of us not getting past this this round, which is, it sucks, it's scary, but I hope that we'll do it. Uh, it is possible. It is just not easy against this kind of juggernaut of a team, but I'm excited to watch these games. These should be amazing games. Yeah, I totally agree there. I think, like I said, there's not going to be a chance that either team gets blown out here. Um, and if the Bucks do lose, now I don't think they really care too much about moral victories. Two years in a row, they've had the MVP. Um, and now this year they are the three seed. I don't think they care too much about more victories here, but if they do lose the seven to the Nets, it's not like they're losing to a bum team. They're losing to a team that has three top five, top 10 caliber players at any moment. So I, I think if the Bucks do lose, I don't think there's really anything to hang their heads about. Like, okay, we need to reset the team because you lost to the Nets. Like it's, you know, take take the loss to to probably one of the the, the best offensive team in, in history, and then just try to move on from that, and don't don't beat yourself up too much over it. Yeah, and I think after you know just just destroying clean clock in Miami in that first round, <laughs> I think that kind of gave them a morale boost. Like, hey, these guys got us up out of there in five games last year. We should have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. We should have been in the finals instead of them. You know, they got revenge on them. Now you can completely focus on Brooklyn. They do get that break, like we mentioned earlier. So, you know, Bucks very well could win this series, but I think in the end, it'll be Brooklyn. Now, moving on to the other matchup in the East. I don't think this one will be as close as we have the Sixers. Number one seed taking on the five seed, the Atlanta Hawks. And a similar pattern as far as three games that they played this year as we had with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. The Sixers ended up winning the last two games near the end of the season, but then the Hawks won their game in January pretty decisively. Now, I think this series, even though the Hawks are good and they can probably steal a game, I think it won't go past five. I I, I have to... Uh pretty good they're better than i thought they were especially with how they they pretty much clean clock the the knicks as, as you put it uh with a with a 4-1 victory but the the sixers aren't the knicks and the hawks are going to be outmatched this time it's not going to be as even as a matchup not a team that trey young can just fire up and, and pummel they have a lot of people and now the knicks are a great defensive team as well but potentially the year uh ben simmons who can definitely keep up with trey young and uh, they're in danger here. 
I give them five or six. Definitely not seven, and definitely not a win. Uh, this this is Sixers to to go ahead and advance to to the conference finals. Yeah. Now I do think how long this series goes will also depend on Joel Embiid's health. Um, I'm not really sure how serious his injury is right now. We know we know that Embiid has had a lot of injury problems in the past few years. Um, so if this is something that's really serious, I don't think it'll cause them to lose the series, but I think it could push the series farther than they want. And, you know, that might give Embiid more time to rest for the conference finals, but at the same time, you know, once again, you want to get out of it as fast as possible. So if Embiid isn't completely healthy, I wouldn't try to kill him to come back because we've seen multiple times that if you put a guy in before he's ready, it just a lot of times it just won't end well and it won't be worth it in the end. So if Embiid's not completely healthy, don't rush him back, but try to get him back if you can so they can win the series in about five or six. Yeah, I I think uh like with Embiid being being out if if he's out, I guess Clint Capella especially a lot more room to to produce offensively, which is gonna help the Hawks kind of stretch the series out some. But I I don't think that Embiid's absence would let the Hawks beat him. Or if Philly makes it to the conference finals, and Embiid's not around to stop the Bucks or the Nets, I think that that Philly may may be in trouble then. But that's that's for a later discussion. Yep. So we'll leave it at that. So, if you're listening to the intro, we did mention that we'll have to discuss some more fan fully in the NBA. And now it's starting to get a little bit ridiculous, and we've seen charges. So, the most notable one being Kyrie. After game four, he went over to the Boston Celtics Leprechaun logo at midcourt, did a little two step on it. And not too long after that, he got a water bottle thrown at him by a fan. The fan, who's a 21-year-old Cole Buckley, I think that was his name. Yeah, uh, it's Buckley. He up, yep. He ended up getting arrested and charged with assault. So, yeah, it's just, just, just a mess, man. What are you thinking? By last week, how the fans are out of hand and they're just doing things that yeah, most fans wouldn't even normally be doing and like throwing popcorn on someone is, is bad uh, spitting on them is, is worse and then throwing a bottle at somebody this is a water bottle it's plastic it's hard so it's, at least it's not like a, a glass bottle but this could still you know cause some harm especially if the the force this thing seemed to like fly by the camera and uh, let's 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 go ahead and clear up the air of uh people who think that Kyrie stepping on the the leprechaun is equal to having a bottle thrown at him that's uh, they're not they're not equal one is stepping on like a the floor <laughs> he steps on that floor i mean the, the whole game to, to run around and the other one is potentially harmful and the guy deserved the charges he got i mean you finally are allowed to go back in your arena you go in and use something like that you ask for what you get yeah i mean that's just stupid like there's nothing else to say there i mean that is just plain dumb no matter what Kyrie did, and once again, like you just said, stepping on a leprechaun logo at midcourt is, is not equivalent to throwing something at somebody. Once again, you step over the line when you spit on somebody, when you throw something at somebody, no matter if it's popcorn, water bottle, a beer, 
whatever it is, you step over that line from being a hyped up fan, a fiery fan to getting arrested. All right. Um, so the guy did get arrested, um, got charges. I'm not sure if those charges are going to really stick. I don't think they're going to put the dude in jail or anything like that. But it's just it's just showing another problem that these guys in, in the stands just think they can do whatever they want because they buy a ticket. And once again, that's not how this works. You don't leave society when you enter an arena. You, you still have to follow laws just because you're at a sports game. All right. You're not going to just automatically become, you know, God and nothing can be done to you uh, as a fan at a sports arena. So that's just simply not true. Yeah, I mean, these these sports fans seem to like not understand that the arena is still a piece of society. And on top of the Kyrie thing, you had uh, Emmanuel quickly, the the rookie for the Knicks, say that he was doused with beer, and that's that's also I mean, it's just it's disgusting. Like, there's no reason for that kind of stuff. And then another like mind-boggling event during a a Wizards and and Sixers game, a guy just runs on the court mid-play. And, and get tackled by security. You can see Dwight Howard like leaning over him and staring at him. I don't know what's gotten into the fans, bro. They have lost their minds. Yeah, I think truthfully, that guy that ran on the floor and just like did a little slide or whatever the heck he was doing, he probably <laughs> did that like just because of all the stuff that had been going on. Because we've seen fans do stuff like that before, but. It's different now that we've, because this was after the Russ incident, after the Trey Young incident, um, you know, after all the stuff with Kyrie, after all of this happened, then the fans like, yo, let me jump on the floor. They did that on purpose. You did it intentionally. And just for that, you should go to jail just for being dumb. All right. Now, obviously, that was probably the least egregious out of all of them. Like, he didn't physically assault anyone. <laughs> but like, you, you just deserve to go to jail just for being a dummy. Yeah, like... You know, no harm caused to anyone. Maybe he he might have wanted to, but it doesn't seem like it based on what he did. So he's not the the most villainous. But I would say it's like clearly the most stupid. Like the guy is throwing things, you're going to be caught. They're going to see who threw it. They can retrace that on the camera and stuff. But like you have a better chance of maybe not being seen. This guy is just just right out for everyone. It's like they're trying to see who can get banned for like the the most cool or something. And I I put cool in quotations here because I mean assaulting the players is not cool. But I, I, the fans seem to seem to not the fans, but some fans seem to think that's the new norm. Yeah, I mean, it's just juvenile stuff. I mean, this is stuff you do when you're in middle school, bro. Like, 21 is young, obviously, as we're, we're still young and we're not 21 yet. But <laughs> it doesn't matter, bro. Like, you're, you're grown. You should know better than to throw stuff, especially at somebody that is just simply walking off the court. You know, I know he stepped on your logo and everything, but the man's walking away. If, like, if you're going to throw the water bottle, look the man in the eye, hit him with it. And then <laughs> if he responds, you got to deal with it. But don't don't just throw it at the man from however many seats he was up, because Kyrie didn't even notice at first because he's walking and it's to the side of him or whatever. And his teammate had to be like, yo, look, at, look at this nonsense. So it's just... <laughs> Annoying that we're talking about this once again. Yeah, I hope this is not anything we have to keep mentioning as we go through our episodes here. And I, I think maybe after this is like the sixth band uh, through the first two weeks, uh, maybe we'll we'll get the memo 
and then uh, fans will stop being stupid. What do I hope so? So for our last little tidbit of news, it's actually not going to be basketball for the first time in two weeks. Uh, we'll be talking football news and not the NFL or college. So the USFL is coming back in spring of 2022. It was announced today on multiple sports outlets. Um, if you don't know what the USFL was, it was a football league that played three seasons back in the early to mid 80s. Um, and it was sort of competing with the NFL, I guess. But, you know, it, I, I guess it's the biggest competition that the NFL has really ever had. If you want to say the NFL has a competition since the merger of the NFL and the AFL. Now, we have had some pretty notable guys that played in the USFL while it was still in existence. You know, Herschel Walker, Jim Kelly, Steve Young, Reggie White and Sam Mills, um, just to name a few guys that played in the USFL. Um, now, it looks like they'll be bringing all the same teams back. I'm not very sure about that one. Uh, I have to update you again if, once we get some more news. But regardless of how they're doing it, it is nice to see another football league come back, and it's more football, so I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, it does look like they're going to be keeping the old team names. And I mean, we'll get we should have the NFL, the USFL and the XFL. Uh, of course, I think bigger competitors here would be the XFL and USFL because the NFL is the NFL at this point. It's not really looking for anybody to, to come and take it over. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's more football. It should be fun. I'm excited to see how they form their rosters and everything. And, and I'm, I'm all on football. Yeah, I mean, one of the worst feelings in the world is after the Super Bowl is like, dang, we don't have any football until August again. And that's just preseason. So really no f real football, um, NFL football, at least till September. So it's nice to have these leagues in the spring. Um, obviously, it's not going to be the same quality as the NFL, but more football. I'm all for it. So that is going to be it for this episode, guys. I want to thank you all for tuning in this episode once again. This episode will be on Spotify. Um, we started on Spotify last episode. So if you're a Spotify listener, go check it out on Spotify. The link will be in the description. But that being said, this has been T-Brown31 with J-Bot the Great. We hope you enjoyed this video. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll see y'all later.